Hey, thank you so much. Well, it's, a, it's an absolute delight to come and be with you as a family. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you a little bit about me. I'll pray and then um, I will share from God's word. Um, born and raised in the UK, but I'm Indian, so not English. It's surprising how many people actually in the past have thought I'm English, but this isn't a permanent tan. It's, I'm from the Punjab. Um, and uh, my, uh, I've been married for 26 years to Esther. So we're happily married, even though we've had a very interesting three years, which I might mention in a minute. Just feels like the Lord's been on our case about loads of stuff, just dealing. Oh, you got a banana. Anybody else want to share food while we're in the middle of... Yeah. Yeah, so married to Esther, we've got four grown children. She's coming up to 20. She's coming up to 20. She's coming up to 25. And um, I'm also a granddad. So I have one granddaughter who turned one year old on Wednesday. So in really enjoying being a granddad as well. Uh, lead all nations back home. So that's just a little about me. I've been um, walking with Jesus since I was five years old. Next birthday, I'll be 50. So um, I'm getting there slowly. I'm trying to slow it down. But. So Father, <clears throat> I thank you for the privilege of coming and sharing some of my life many who have many who have a many who have a heart who have a heart have a heart after you, heart after you after you after you you and and that and that their heart and that their hearts and that their hearts are switched on opened up to expectant for what god is doing in our times and I pray that you today would grant us the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And would you be the spirit of revelation, Holy Spirit, those three things, wisdom, understanding, and revelation, would you bring them to us, remove every veil, and I pray that it would be a living understanding, active, uh, something that touches not only at what we see, but what we feel that you would touch our emotions so that we would both see and we would feel what God is doing and what he's inviting us into. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> In November 2019, uh, I had the Lord uh, speak to me. Um, it was actually a weekend that Terry Virgo was speaking to us and a conference had finished. And then at the end of the conference, I think I was on my own, either at home or in the office, and I heard the Lord say to me, you're about to go through a season of significant unlearning. Now, I wouldn't mind learning, but unlearning obviously tells me that there's some things that I know that are incorrect. Um, and so I thought I was doing okay. Yeah, uh, we've got a growing church. We've just built this thousand-seater building in 2016. We've got um, six campuses, seven campuses, an eighth one being planted. And uh, we've got a family of churches around the UK. I've written a few books. I'm on all kinds of stuff. Traveled around the world to 40 different nations. So I thought by the getting mid-40s, and I'm like, found my lane, know what I'm doing. We'll just keep doing that for the next 20, 30 years, and everything will be okay. And the Lord interrupts me in November 2019 and says, you've got some unlearning to do. 
Yeah, ouch would be the appropriate word. I actually didn't feel he was angry. I did feel like that there was stuff he wanted to deal with. And I, I would say the last three and a half years have been the most um, disruptive, emotional, painful, and, uh, and it's been a season of unlearning. I had a lot of ideas and assumptions about church and about ministry, uh, even a view on my own marriage. I thought we were doing really well. Marriage is good. We've been married all these years. We get on really well, and we do, and we still do. But I'm telling you, the last three and a half years, the Lord has got right up in our face and right into our business. Here I was thinking, I'm doing okay. I found my lane. You know, like all the natural things, just everything's moving into the right place. We'll be okay. But you know what? You, your theme fits into this. When God comes to town, you, you're in this theme of revival and visitation, perhaps even habitation, where he comes. We want him, his presence. And if you're new to the church, history, like earth's history, is littered with moments when God steps into human affairs in, I mean, Bedford of all places, with uh, George Fox and John Bunyan, and God moved in four or 500 years ago, but God moved in phenomenal ways that I think the town still lives in the good of today. It changes something in the atmosphere. But in my lifetime, I've not experienced that. Like, I've had some great moments, We've enjoyed the Lord, but I'm talking about transforming revival. That when God comes, it's not just buildings that are filled a few times more every week, but actually it seeps out and it begins to change the society. So I connect the word revival to transformation, stole it from George Otis Jr. Transforming revival. That's what we're after, not just more encounter for Christians. I want that. Because I know when I encounter him and I'm changed, I can take that to other people, transform people, transform other people. I'm absolutely convinced we are on the brink of God doing something. Like, I, and I was eight years old when I read the book, Like a Mighty Rushing Wind by Maltari, the Indonesian revival. Eight years old. And I think not long after that, I read George Muller's Delighted in God. I read the book, Smith, Smith Wigglesworth never wrote a book, but somebody else wrote his sermons, and it was called The Apostle of Faith. I read that. I remember reading a biography of Evan Roberts. So as a child, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, I was starting to get hungry for what God could do. And I would read this, and I would say, wow, it's not just in the Bible but God moves on the earth, still does miracles, still touches lives, still opens blind eyes, still comes on communities. But since I've been eight to now, I've not seen it. I've seen some healings. I've seen some you know, miracles happen, and, but not like I've read about in history. But I want to tell you, and I haven't got time to do this piece of this today, but right for the last 30, 40 years, there have been promises from God, prophecies, God speaking to his church globally about a revival coming that will bring in a great harvest. And I think we are in a time where, it, I, 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 I just found myself saying this to my wife about four weeks ago, three weeks ago. I said, it feels like it's raindrops. There are raindrops. I heard a story, my daughter in the University of Nottingham 
February and March, keep sending us, she's back at home at the moment, then back there uh, to do a teacher training in September, but she kept sending us messages. I'm, she goes, I, I, I went to a prayer meeting last night and it lasted uh, four or five hours. She goes, we went in, there was no agenda. It was just about 25, 26 young people. And we decided to wait until we knew what God wanted us to do. So we sat there for 20, 30 minutes. And then God prompted one person to begin to pray. Somebody else played the keyboard. And before we knew it, there was repentance happening in the room. Repentance is simply people were dealing with stuff that God was putting his finger on in their hearts. When God said to me, I want to change your thinking, he's been not only changing my paradigms about church, but what it means to follow him. And more recently, because in, in May 21, he said, and now I'm going to change you. So first I'm going to change your thinking, and then I'm going to change you, and you'll never be the same. I thought I was okay. Like, I think I'm a likable fella. And I realized there was so much rubbish in me that was offensive to the Lord. I, and I don't know whether I'm qualified to be preaching this morning because right up until uh, even waking up this morning, the Lord's showing me stuff he's dealing with. He's put his finger deep in there, says, I want that. I want you to deal with that. I want Your theme is when God comes to town, I'm telling you, before he comes, he starts to clean house. Yeah. And he starts with us. And I said to you, I've been married 26 years and they've been good, but the last three years, there's... We've just found ourselves, I will get to some scripture. I'm just having a chat. Is that okay? We've seen, you do record this one, so I'm not going to tell you what I told the last guys. But we have found ourselves confessing things to each other. Things like, I will say, some anger, um, insecurity, sometimes jealousy cropping up. And we're thinking, where did that come? Not with each other, but with seeing it in each other towards others. Lots of things. And I know I'm preaching to you and you're thinking, what are you doing standing up there? <clears throat> Phil invited me. <laughs> Here I was thinking, I've got it together. Church is growing. We've got all these campuses. In everybody's eyes, ministry is good. And the Lord says, I'm about to come to town and you're not ready. And if I come in revival power and you're not ready, the weight of what I'm about to do will crush you. But if you get ready, you can ride the wave of what I'm about to do. And the, the cleaning of house doesn't necessarily start with a corporate thing. It starts with me and my marriage and the way I use my time and money and thoughts and words and actions. And I realize God's interested in all of those things, massively interested. In fact, I don't know whether he'll say anything when I get to heaven about who I preached in front of, where I went in the world, but he might say something, and I'm convinced of this, of how I loved other people or didn't, of the purity of life, purity of motive, whether I dealt with the anger. And I'm not an angry person, most of my, can I be, well, I am being honest. I don't know why I'm telling you. I don't even know you. It's like a therapy session for me. Like, if you're anything like me, my moodiness is with my wife. 
any husbands or wives sitting here like, you don't have to confess, but I just did, so you should reciprocate really. But you know, uh, maybe I expected that she was going to follow through on something and she didn't do it. Maybe I thought this. And, and I have a tendency, I just go quiet. Nobody else does that in Bedford. It's just a Wolverhampton problem. <laughs> and I've had the Lord in my business over that because I realize when I do, it opens the door for other sins. One little bit of offense where I'm like, we've had this conversation, she knows, and I've talked this through, and I don't say any of that, I just think it. Thank you for your help, I appreciate it. <laughs> We're talking about God coming to town, but God starts cleaning house before he comes to town. He starts dealing with heart and attitude. One of the phrases he's used with us over the last few years is, Steve, stop grasping. I'm leading but I'm trying to control, I'm trying to make it work. I can sort that out. I'll send an email, I'll have a conversation and the Lord says, stop grasping, let it be, trust me. Pray about it and if I tell you to have a conversation, you can. Otherwise, stop acting like Western leaders are supposed to act. You're a Christian leader, you're a follower of Christ. Serve your children, serve your marriage, serve the people, live in the light of eternity. I, I'm convinced the Lord is coming in revival power. Like, honestly, I, I found myself in the first service here in worship, and this has been ongoing for three years, so it's not just this moment. And intensely, the last 10 days, we've been on holiday but the first two hours of our day for me and my wife are in prayer. We do that here, we do it on holiday. And I found myself saying to Esther, I feel so broken. I thought I was doing so well. And I feel like the Lord's brought me to the end of myself until I've got nothing. And I feel the Lord saying, it's exactly where I wanted you. When you know you have, I, I thought I was a good leader. I, I thought I, I understand how to problem solve. I can get stuff done. I can rally the troops. And the Lord is saying, you need to come to the end of yourself. I think the Western church struggles with it. Whether it's churches, church leaders, or individuals in the church, it's a Western problem. We're independent. We're highly self-sufficient. If, if, if the Lord planted you here and you don't like something that's done and somebody offends you, no problem, you go somewhere else. This isolated, independent, I'll do what I want, I'll sort myself out, I'll eat where I want, I'll rest when I want, I'll do my recreation the way that I want, it's my money. That attitude is from the world and it's crept into our lives and we live with it. It seeps into our marriages and it seeps into our church communities and we all become really nice on the outside so as not to offend anybody. And so authentic community is not formed. We dare not challenge anybody over sinful issues because we're like, oh, I wouldn't want to offend them. Do you see how nice all the people are welcoming you today? We thank you for being here. I'm like, why am I thanking you for being here? This is God's house. It's a privilege to me. The church in China doesn't thank the believers for coming. They come with tears in their eyes saying, we are grateful that we can meet together. It's a Western problem. We want to please you so you come back. Sorry, just, it is just, it's, it's nauseous to the Father. 
it's, 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 it's my privilege to be able to gather with believers. It's not their privilege to have me. Anybody? It's like, ugh. anyway, so I, obviously that's not a problem in Bedford. This is just me and just Wolverhampton. But I felt the Lord just dealing with so many things in my heart. I should read some scripture, okay, because I, I never got to my main scripture in the last. I could tell you some revival stories. There's a waiting. I told you about my daughter. I heard another story about a young girl who was in a nightclub. I heard this from one of the fusion leaders, the student movement. He said, yeah, we heard a story, a young girl in a nightclub, no Christian heritage, and she suddenly becomes aware of God's presence. <laughs> Goes back to where she's staying and uh, Googles how to become a Christian and genuinely gives her life to the Lord following the prayer, ends up in a church, finds the nearest church, ends up in a fusion group. That's how I know the story from this fusion leader. Those kind of stories are being replicated all over the UK right now. They're small. It's not everywhere, but it's happening. And I've, I've said to Esther, because we were hearing lots of them in about a two-week period. I said, it's raindrops. They're just raindrops, but the rain is coming. You know, since I've been eight years old, I've wanted the rain. Like, God, move in power again. I want you to move in revival power. Please come. I've read the stories of the Indonesian revival. I've read the stories of what you did through Wesley or through Wigglesworth or through Hudson Taylor in China. I want you to do it in my time. Habakkuk 3, 2. Lord, we've heard of your works. We've heard of your fame. Renew them in our day, in our time. Make, make them known. And I, I think he's about to do that. Let, let, I am going to read, but let me remind you that you are not here to make money. You're not here to look beautiful or handsome or have an aesthetic figure like mine. That wasn't a joke. Thanks a lot there. My confidence is, no, I'm joking. That's all a Western value system. Make the money as good as you can. Inject those lips. Do that hair. I, I can't... I'm not saying you, what you should and shouldn't do. I'm just saying there's a value system in the world and there's a value system in the kingdom. And we are to live to the value system. We are people of modesty and purity and holiness. And there are acceptable sins in the church today. Idolatry of self. I'll sort my own money out. My money's my money. My time is my time. How dare they ask me for it? And the Lord's like, no, it's all mine. <laughs> his. It's all his. And so we're talking about God coming to town. But as he comes to town, he starts putting his finger on everything. We are his bride, the church. My little granddaughter, she's one year old. Her name's Talitha Praise. Little girl, Praise. She's beautiful. She now says, Papa, that's me. Like the amount of times I said, Tilly, can you say Papa? And she does. But now when we're on holiday, a few times she'd just look, find, 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 I'll find looking at me too, Papa. That is so, sorry for everybody that thinks this is weird, but any grandparents in the room, like you get me. Like three people raise their hands. Thanks everybody. 
you make fun of my body, you like, no. I want her to grow up with a kingdom value system that we model for her, that we teach her. I want her to know what Father thinks of her. And I think God wants that for all of us as his children. And we need to ask the Lord, what is it that we need to be delivered of? Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past, see I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? I, I wanna say to you, do you perceive that God is doing something new? If there's anybody that could be cynical, it would be me. I have been taken to church since I was one or six months old, something like that. Like, I've never calculated it, but the amount of church services I've sat through, conferences, sermons, and then I've preached a stack of them all over the world, and I've heard all the promises of revival. I've read the books. If there could be anybody that was tired of hearing about it, tired of talking about it, and could be cynical, I would be your number one candidate. Because I could say, I've heard it all. I've seen it all. I've listened to the prophecies. But I am not in the least bit cynical. I'm telling you that this earth is on a collision course with the glory of God. It's hurtling towards the earth and it's going to break in upon our towns and cities. It's not going to happen just in one place at one time. The Lord, about four or five years ago, just the conviction in my heart was it's going to happen in multiple places at the same time. We're going to start hearing of fires, revival, God starting to move. But before God comes, he starts to cleanse. He says, I'm coming, clean house. My 20-year-old son said to me uh, this last 10 days, he said, Dad, I was reading in Acts 5 uh, about Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira, how they were killed because they lied. And he says, there's a lot worse stuff happening in churches today than lying. I said, you're right. And his revelation, which I got, I didn't tell him I had it before because I'm interested in his revelation, is when God's glory increases, you get away with less stuff. <laughs> which is true. So we're asking him to come to town and he's saying, I, I want to come, but if I came in your present form, it may not be helpful. So he then says, I want to come and I love you so much. Do you want to clean the house before I come? Do you want to clean this house? Do you want to clean the marriage house? Do you want to clean the marriage bed? Do you want to clean the mind? Do you want to sort out parenting with the kids? Do you want to sort out that habit that you think nobody knows about, but I see it? Because when I come to town, it all comes up and things will be dealt with. I'm like, I'll sort that out before everybody else needs to see it. <laughs> he loves us, he's good. He doesn't want to expose anybody. He is so kind and gracious, long-suffering. But with the increase of his glory, there are consequences, because he is a holy God. The, the, the verse, I'll, I'll just read this to you, and then uh, Isaiah 43, four and five a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way for the lord 
Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The whole chapter is worth reading. It's beautiful. But this famous, like three, four, and five, three verses, John the Baptist came. He said he was doing it in that era. I think there's a forerunner message happening right now. So before the coming of Christ, the first time John the Baptist came and declared and was cleaning house for the Lord. And lots of people repenting and turning to God and sorting things out, yes? Before his coming now, there's again, forerunner message, people coming that God's raising. And I won't work it through like I was going to, but I would just simply say this. I've heard the Lord saying to me the last three and a half years, which have been very painful for me, mostly painful because everything I trusted in, the Lord's been dismantling. Everything I thought I was good at in this, this, and this in ministry, the Lord's been saying, you're playing the wrong game, son. You're building like every other church. Where did you get that idea? Where did you get those thoughts? Because they're not from my scripture and they're not from my spirit. And I realized I'd become what others I'd absorbed from other people. And the Lord's been dismantling, sorting, sorting out my thinking, my paradigm, sets of ideas. And all of that is painful. I wish that it was as easy as somebody lay hands on me and it would all be done. Instead, the Lord says, hey, you, you want to come? I didn't think this in 2019, that it would take a few years. And now I, I've placed no time frame on it. If he wants to take another three years, he still can. I'm a work in progress, but I'm saying to the Lord, I want to be a living flame of fire in your life, in your hand. I want you to take, anybody want authority? Do you want to be able to walk into, you can walk into a school and you carry authority. You walk into the university, you carry an authority. You walk into and some, some of you may even be these that the Lord calls, one of these flames of fire. You walk into a town and the town knows you show up because you become the revival. The God coming to town, he actually comes into an individual that starts to open up a gateway for the king to come. Anybody want that kind of authority, that kind of weightiness? It's, it's moving from presence to glory. Uh, presence, you can have one person enjoying on the other person playing on their phone in the same meeting. When glory comes, nobody's on their phone. Everybody's on their face. It's like, you, it's, you just, it's a fear of the Lord comes into the room. And glory of God. Well, th that kind of glory and authority, power is given to those who are God's friends. And so I'm saying to the Lord, I trust you. I know you're coming close to me. You're dealing with stuff that's been hidden. Sins that I think are okay, they're not that bad. I'm not stealing. I'm not sleeping with somebody other than my wife. I'm not, I'm not an angry man in that kind of, 
They're just little things. And the Lord's saying, I want to deal with all of them, Steve. I want to cleanse them all out. And I would say this. You are born into a revival generation in the midst of reformation. So primary purpose is not to make money or look beautiful. You look beautiful. You look amazing. I do think people who carry glory are the most attractive people. Something about them becomes magnetic. You want to be around them. Their eyes sparkle. Their skin becomes translucent. Honestly, you live in union with Christ. His very spirit shows up on your body. Everything else is like a substitute for him. He is the one. He comes in and all of a sudden, I had the Lord kind of just drip feeding some of this to me two days ago. Just about, I, I don't even know if it's theological, so I, I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to go in a bit and let Phil clean this up. But I'm, I'm thinking of the river of life flowing in heaven. I'm thinking of the life of the Spirit. I'm thinking of all I'll enjoy there. And I know I can't have all of that now. But I know when I live in union with Christ, well, let me put it this way. I'm asking the question, what am I drinking of? Who's in me? What is he giving me? What bread is this? What is this living water he said, come and have? I'm like, am I able to really drink and eat if I give him my affections and my attitudes and all that I am? D.L. Moody was right. The world is yet to see what God can do through one person who is fully yielded to him. And he said, I intend to be that person. I'm like, no, it'll beat you to that race. And I would say to each of us today, there's an invitation. The Lord is saying, come on, come close. I am coming to town. I'm coming to many towns. I'm coming to many homes. Revival starts in the home, not in the town. It'll start in your bedroom. It'll start in your living room. It'll start with bowing pride the amount of times me and my wife over the last three and a half years have asked each other for forgiveness. Like Josh is here, he's on our leadership team. He sees our marriage up close and personal. Like in our, people are in and out of our home. I don't want to give you the impression we're fighting all the time. We're not. But I'm trying to say, even as good as I thought our marriage was, the Lord is coming right in and saying, no, no, no. There's a few things here that need to be dealt with. And that they're, they're actually detestable to me because he's holy can I, I I haven't finished but I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to take five minutes more just so you don't think I'm conning you in five minutes time um, he got us to stand thinking he was closing and then do you know what when I was preparing to be with you I lived in Revelation 1, 2, 3, 4 and 5 I've been living there for a while anyway there's 18 descriptions of Jesus in Revelation 1. 30 in those first three chapters. Titles, names, descriptions. And there's seven letters of him speaking to the church what he likes and what he doesn't like. And I can't believe how strong he is in those seven letters. And he's the same Jesus today. The other scripture was Isaiah 40. Uh, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. 
And then the, the last one was from Proverbs 4. And I'm just going to read it to you. And Proverbs 4, verse 20. It says, I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase it slightly. My child, pay attention to what I say. This is your application. Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. They are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. I'll just pull out these phrases from that passage. Turn to the Lord. So that means you've got to turn away from something to him. Guard your heart. Your garden, your heart is like a garden. What's in there? What's growing? What are you chewing on? What do you meditate on? I, I don't mean to be rude, crude, or scare anybody, but I think lots of Christians fellowship with the wrong spirit. When we fellowship with anxiety or self-pity, and when it becomes habitual and long-term, and we regularly visit those, that's not guarding your heart. That's saying, I'm not going to trust the Lord. I'm not going to turn to Him. I'm going to allow other things in. And it starts to seep into our relationships. And the Lord says, I want to clean that. I want to get those weeds out of the garden of your heart. I want to make sure there's nothing in that soil that shouldn't be growing there. I, I've said to the Lord, I make a covenant with my eyes. And it was really hard to do the last 10 days on holiday. Honestly, we're on a resort. I'm like, people need to wear more clothes. Or I just need to stay in my room. One of the two. Or we just next time just hire a a house in a field and we'll do our holiday there but I ask the Lord I honestly do Lord I deliver me from the idolatry of the female form women could pray the same about men today human bodies have become idolatry and they use it in advertising they use it in films they use it to sell products and it's seeping all into our culture and many even in the church have become part of the issue so what we do is we show our idolatry off. Here's one to admire. And the Lord is saying, no, not the creation that you admire, the creator that you're supposed to be enamored with. Look that way, not this way. I actually pray, Lord, I want to see every woman either as a mother, as a daughter, or as a sister. I want to have pure eyes. I know everything's against it. Every billboard, every advert, it's just everywhere. But Lord, I want purity of heart. I want to turn towards you. I want to guard my heart. I want no anxiety in there. I want no despair. I want no self-confidence. I want a God confidence. Thirdly, I felt the, uh, this it says, keep your mouth. Uh, and I felt the Lord saying, you're the keeper of your mouth. Be very careful what you say. Your words are creative. They release power. They have authority. And I, I'm, I, by God's grace, very careful. I, I think for years now, four or five times a week, place my hand and I say, Lord, place a guard over my mouth. Help me not to say what is unhelpful. I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit 
reins me in. And I'm very careful what I say in my relationships, what I say to my children, what I say to my wife, what I say to people around the table. I'll sometimes think something and then have to give it to the Lord. I was going to answer, and I feel the Lord saying, no, you'll give the wrong answer. You'll give one out of your frustration. I'm not perfect, because if you get your mouth right, you are perfect, James tells us. But I want to say some of us will need to deal with that. And then fifthly, um, choose carefully the direction of travel. You know, where... um, where you put your feet in the passages, but I've just put in my notes, choose carefully. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet. Where am I going? I've wanted to get out of the wilderness that I've been in. The Lord has ordained that wilderness for me. And a number of times I've wanted to jump out of it by my human effort, and I could. But then that's dangerous to do. So I'm saying I'm willingly going to choose and submit to the path that you have. Deal with everything. I want nothing left unturned, Lord. I want to carry you. I want to be a clean vessel. I want the generations after me, if you should tarry, I want them to have a, a, a godly heritage because of my life, my prayers, that there's purity, your life impacts your kids, whether they see what you're doing or not. It impacts their kids, whether you see it or not. I believe that. The generation of the righteous, their their generations will be blessed. And then sixthly, be steadfast. In other words, once you start this journey, stay there, keep going, don't stop. Don't give it a good five-year run. Set your heart for 20 years. I mean, like, I'm going to do this by God's grace. Holy Spirit, help me to do this. I'm going to give you one last challenge, and then I'm going to hand it over to Phil. And it's simply this. I, f- I feel that the, the acceptable sins in the church, they're not acceptable, really. We just say they're acceptable. I think it is around self-sufficiency. It's around our idolatry towards finances, clothes, um, you know, I am what I drive. I'm not saying you shouldn't drive a nice car. I'm not saying you shouldn't live in a nice house. But it's not your, it's not your value system. Enjoy anything good that God gives you. But don't let it become your pursuit. And don't let it become what makes you feel good about yourself. Say, Lord, no, you bless me. I appreciate that. I'm thankful for the house I live in. But you're not here to look good, live in a nice house, drive a nice car. You are here because God wrote a story for you to live. And God is coming to town and you have a part to play, but he's cleaning house before he comes. I also felt really challenged for the church, not this church, every church. I felt the Lord saying there's too much worldly entertainment in our homes. When I was growing up, if somebody challenged this, they would be called a legalist. Oh, they're just legalistic. So it just shut everything down. Because the moment you say what you can and can't do around entertainment, you're illegal. I'm just saying, can I sit there and watch some of this stuff when it flies in the face of what God says is good? Whether it's to do with sexuality or sex or violence or cheating or robbing or thieving or killing. or And yeah, I love it. It's so good, isn't it? And the Lord's like, I don't understand why you say it's good. Instead, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
And I watch even a film that's a PG or a 12, so much coming into them now that is contrary to the values that I hold as a Bible-believing Christian that says God knows how humans flourish. They flourish in family. They flourish with a mother and a father. They, and we love single parents as well, moms and dads who are doing, I think they're some of the unsung heroes, are single parents. But what I'm trying to say is God has ordained humans to flourish and his word tells us how they flourish. He's the final authority on sexuality. See, I don't want to place my children and my life in front of entertainment that feeds me another value system. Just raise your hands. I'm going to pray. Father, we just give this morning to you. There's a lot of words spoken. And Lord, you are coming to town. And this church family love you. They want you. I thank you that they, it, I know they want you because they'd even talk about it for weeks. God coming to town. But I pray that you would help them to see what you see, feel the way that you feel, and deliver them from everything that is man-made or would stand in the way of you coming to town. I pray for yielded and surrendered hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.